Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, who are excited to introduce their all-new Rate Shield Approval. If you're in the market to buy a home, Rate Shield Approval is a real game-changer, and here's why. First, Quicken Loans will lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop. But here's the crucial part. If rates go up, your rate stays the same. But if rates go down, your rate also drops. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Thursday, August 23rd, and we're doing a quick update on autos. More specifically, Ford, but we'll talk a little bit about some of the other guys because, well, really, you can't help doing that when you talk about Ford. I'm your host, Michael Douglas. I'm joined by John Rosevere. Now, listeners, I should mention that this is pre-recorded. As you're listening to this, I'm in the Outer Banks, likely nursing a sunburn. So it's distinctly possible things will have changed a little bit, and there will be a couple things that have shifted by the time this gets to you. We're going to do our best to sort of say, uh, so we're recording this uh, on Thursday the 16th, so to say last week when we mean, you know, when you're hearing it last week, as opposed to last week compared to us. But, you know, give us a little bit of grace as we work through that. John, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I should, we should add that this is why we're not talking about Tesla, because the story will be different in 15 minutes, much less next week. <laughs> so. I, I think that's incredibly true. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, okay. So, so it, it's interesting because, um, so I'm a former Ford shareholder, actually. Uh, and so it's been a, a story that I've tracked over the years um, with a lot of um, let's say sometimes optimism, sometimes pessimism, but a lot of interest. And um, let, let's kind of trace the last uh, month or so for Ford. I mean, the first thing that happened is, you know, they had a really tough Q2 earnings report on July 25th. And I mean, a big negative surprise on profit. Yeah. And I should, I should add, I've been a Ford shareholder since 2009. So, you know, I'm, I'm in this for the long haul. Um, yeah. Second quarter profit was a big eye opener. It caught Wall Street by surprise. Uh, net income was down 44% to 1.1 billion. Uh, revenue was down two and a half percent, which is almost a, a more significant problem. Um, what's going on here is that, you know, the good news is Ford is still selling a lot of pickups in North America. Uh, that pays most of the bills. The tough news is that uh, they had a success story going on in China for a while, and it has completely kind of fallen apart. Uh, Ford used to take a couple hundred million every quarter in uh, basically equity income from its joint ventures with Chinese automakers. I, they barely broke even last quarter, and that was a real shocker. Um, and and in the meantime, uh, sales have been good in Europe, but profitability has not. Uh, they posted a loss in Europe despite good sales. Uh, and and there's a story there about what's happening. Uh, Europeans, like everybody else, want more SUVs. Uh, globally, Ford's got an issue where its products are just at the point. It's at the point in its product renewal cycle where uh, the big selling categories are kind of stale. Uh, that's brutal in China because in China you have all of the automakers you've ever heard of competing along with a whole slew of domestic Chinese automakers that most Americans have never heard of. The market moves very fast. There's always something new, always something fresh. And you know, Ford's Focus was a huge seller in China when it came out like five years ago, and and now it's 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 dwindled down to very little. Well, and I and, and I, I should do. and I should note, I'm a proud mm-hmm. Focus. Uh, I'm a proud Focus owner. So I have the 09 yeah, model. It, so it, you know, it, I mean, it's a good car. It, it, Personal viewpoint, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah, we have one too. It's it it is a fun car. Um, but it's not the it's not the flavor of the month. I mean, that matters somewhat in the United States. 
it matters an awful lot in China. And and they've just got to, they've sort of missed where the market went and, and they, they didn't have maybe the local intelligence on the ground, people who really, you know, spoke Chinese and deeply understood the market in the way it should have. Um, and, and, and they've kind of missed some things. I mean, we talk in America about everybody going for crossover SUVs. Well, everybody in China is going for crossover SUVs too. And, you know, Ford has... Uh, the Kuga, which is the Chinese version of the Escape, I, well, it's the overseas name for the Escape, and they also have the EcoSport, the little one that they recently introduced here. Um, sales have been down significantly. The EcoSport has done okay, uh, but but sales have not been what they should be. They've had to discount uh, because of the feeling that these products are very dated compared to fresher stuff from other competitors. And it's the same problem in the U.S. to some extent, although sales have still been good of, of the Escape and, and the Explorer and so on. Uh, and and in Europe, they also sell the Kuga, the, the Escape, in Europe. Uh, but for them, for years, the big sellers have been the Fiesta and the Focus. They had an all-new Fiesta in Europe last year. It did very well. Sales are up, but it's not delivering the margins they hoped for. Uh, they are rolling out a new focus uh, over the next few months, which you know they're they're also concerned about the margins. So they're going to uh, do these out there that have fatter profits in all of these markets. Right. Well, and and you know Ford is um, talking about you know scare quotes a transformation, um, which is going to cost. I mean. Seven billion dollars, which when you think about you know one point one billion in net income in a quarter, is a, a pretty hefty price tag. Yeah, it, it is. It is. Um, but. I talked to uh, Bob Shanks. It will be last week by the time our, our our listeners hear this, and he points out that that's spread over several years, and it's going to come out of cash. It's not like they're drawing down their their cash reserve to do this. It's going to come out of cash flow, and and he thinks it's not that in practice it's not going to hit like that. But they believe in giving you the price tag up front and dropping the bad news in a very straightforward way. So that's why they came out with that. Yeah, there's a there's a car dealership joke there somewhere. I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> um, but 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 it's interesting. And and yeah, so you got the chance to talk to Bob Shanks, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. But um, yep. one of the one of the interesting things is that you know uh, an analyst from Berenberg basically argued that a dividend cut would have to come. And I mean, di- you know, Ford's dividend is up to what six percent now. <clears throat> and you actually wrote about being maybe a little bit concerned about Ford's dividend as well. Um, and uh, you know, I, I I think somewhat understandably, given that all these things are incoming. Yeah, I, I mean, this analyst's argument was, well, you're losing all that cash from China. You know, you're going to have to keep spending money on all these other things, including you know the future projects, the electric cars, self-driving vehicles, all that stuff that that all the automakers are investing in right now. Uh, and and it's like they're going to have to cut the dividend. You know, it's six percent. They could they could cut it by a third, and it's four percent at current prices. He, it, he has a sell rating on the stock. He was not optimistic. And yeah, I, I saw that, and I was hearing rumblings from other places, and hearing from some readers who were like, "Is this for real?" And and so I did an article looking at it, and I said, "Well, Ford said in 2016 that the dividend is at a level that they can sustain as they put it through the cycle through a recession." Um, you know, as far as I know, that 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 guidance is still operative, but they have a new CEO since then, and many things have changed, and and it is true that that. Back when they said that in 2016, they expected 2018 to be a good year. Things started to go bad earlier than they had expected. Right. And so I raised that question in an article, um, 
And that led to a conversation with Ford's CFO, <laughs> as these things sometimes do. And, 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 and I said, hey, Bob Shanks, who is, who is terrific. He's very, very smart, very capable. Uh, and I said, so, Bob, is that guidance operative? And he said, it's extremely operative. <laughs> yeah, he, he only anticipates cutting the dividend in a severe economic situation, as he puts it, the 08, 09 scenario. Uh, he, they carefully set the regular dividend at a level that they're confident they can sustain. And when Bob says confident, he means confident. That's, that's you know, that's guidance. Uh, <laughs> what Ford has done in the last three years is paid a special dividend, sort of a bonus dividend in the first quarter uh, to return some of the prior year's strong profits to shareholders. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I think that's Really interesting, and 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 you know, folk, folks listening to the Energy Show certainly have heard um, discussions of companies with variable dividends in the past. And so, what this essentially means is that you've got this sort of consistent, guaranteed dividend, and then possibly some variable pieces on top of that, depending on <clears throat> what Ford thinks it can do. Um, which is a smart way to do things because it means you don't have to actually cut that regular dividend um, if things decline to some extent, and you don't have to be sort of in the spot where like you're like, well, we've made a promise to shareholders that you know, not a promise, but it's sort of an implication, right? That when you set a dividend, that like hopefully you can maintain it for a long time. Instead, they're saying, yeah, we think we can maintain this underlying dividend, but we'll do a little bit of extra when we can. Right, exactly. And it's to maintain everybody's expectations. And with Ford, everybody includes the Ford family, which uh, control Ford via a special class of shares. But that class of shares gets the same dividend as the common stock. Um, so that's uh, for some members of the Ford family, that's significant cash flow. Right. And, you know, they can they can forecast, you know, what am I going to have next year and so forth in terms of income around that. Uh, and and that's important. And since there's a Ford uh, who is chairman of Ford's board, Bill Ford, Henry Ford's great grandson, uh, their interests are represented at the table. Uh, but the interesting thing here is is Shanks rebuttal to the well, China's you know China's not delivering the money, so cash flow is going to go in the tank, which was kind of what this analyst had said. He said they're all missing something big. Ford Credit, uh, their captive financing arm, their in-house bank. Uh, returns a couple billion dollars a year or close to it uh, in pretax profit and has for several years now. Uh, they've been reinvesting most of that in Ford credit to sort of grow its asset base, to grow its receivables. Um, they're now at the point where they want to cap it. Ford credit is big enough. And what that means is that that cash is going to start to come back into the company uh, Ford targets, Bob told me, an 11% return on Ford Credit's equity. Uh, the equity is currently around $15 billion. Uh, that's about $1.7 billion of pre-tax profit every year at, at that target. Uh, we should note that they have guided to a considerably higher number this year. Bob points out that at that $1.7 billion, that covers around 70% of the regular dividend. It's not everything, but it's an awful lot of it. Yeah, of course. The flip side of that is that um, as those auto loans eventually roll off uh, Ford Credit, um, they'll need to reinvest some of the cash to um, put those back in, right? I mean, for, for I should mention, by the way, just you know, full disclosure: my very first loan uh, as an adult was with Ford Credit. Uh, that's how that's how I financed my my focus, and I've uh, thankfully paid it off. Um, given that I was, you know, uh, twenty and um, or sorry, twenty one and penniless. Uh, you know, I, I, I maybe didn't have the the cheapest rate in the world, although it was still very payable. Well, they um, I, 
I haven't gone into that in great detail with Bob. What happens, you know, as sales go down, obviously new loan generation goes down, but you know, three-year loans, whatever you've, you've got some time before those roll down. And even then they're still selling a fair number of cars and they may take a larger share of the cars their dealers sell because they only finance I mean, some transactions, some dealers use other financing companies and so forth. They may find ways to take a larger share of the of the smaller pie to try and keep that uh, keep Ford Credit fully invested, as it were, fully, you know, with its with its receivables where they want it to be. Right. Um, and, and the upshot here is basically that, like, OK, you know, Ford Credit. Uh, you know, if you're thinking of this as a Ford shareholder for a minute, you've got Ford Credit, which can probably cover, you know, 70%-ish of the regular dividend, um, you know, assuming that sort of 11% return on equity and sort of those numbers that you just walked us through, John. And then also, you know, Ford's got a big cash hoard, $25.2 billion as the end of, of Q2. So, so I think, you know, if people are concerned about the dividend, kind of the upshot here is that, like, yeah, you know, it's probably going to be okay. Basically, if if the dividend comes under threat, that's going to be because um, the business is really hurting, like in a way that it isn't even currently right now. Bob makes a point of saying that that cash hoard is specifically to fund things uh, into a into a downturn and through a downturn, and things include the regular dividend that they intend to fund that out of cash. And then he says, of course, if we hit an 08, 09 situation uh, and things get dire, then lots of things go out the window, right. possibly including the dividend. Uh, realistically, uh, they have they have that that cash hoard, and then they have additional credit lines behind that of around eleven billion. Uh, it was ten point nine billion as at the end of the uh, second quarter. Uh, I suspect that when in a protracted recession, as the cash gets low and they're starting to think about drawing on those credit lines, that's when the dividend goes out the window. Sure. So it it would have to be a real grinder. All right. We'll talk more about Ford in just a moment, but first, a word from our sponsor. Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Let's talk about buying a home for a minute. Because of rising interest rates, there's a lot of unpredictability when it comes to buying a home these days. It's causing a lot of anxiety with folks. Well, our friends at Quicken Loans are doing something about that. They're calling it the power buying process. Here's how it works. Quicken Loans will verify your income, assets, and credit in less than 24 hours to give you a verified approval. This gives you the strength of a cash buyer. Then, once you're verified, you qualify for their all-new exclusive rate shield approval. First, they'll lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop. Now, here's the best part. If rates go up, your rate stays the same. But if rates go down, your rate also drops. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. All right, John, so let's, let's talk about... Ford as an investment on the whole, because you know the the fact that we're even talking about like, hey, you know, the dividend's probably safe. You know that that's in part a conversation about the fact that the business itself has been, as you sort of alluded to earlier, not been doing great. So so you're a shareholder, obviously you're holding your shares. What's 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 your thought process there? My thought process is that. Um, Part of what's going on is Ford is shifting gears in a number of different directions. I right see what now. you did there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> if you follow Ford long enough, you you, you start to be fond of things like Mustangs. And, uh, but anyway, uh, I've never owned a Mustang actually. But 
yet. But um, yeah, the Ford guys keep trying to get me to buy one. But anyway, <laughs> that's another story. Uh, hi, Ford guys. Um, there, there, there are a bunch of things going on here, and let me let me talk about a few of them. Uh, first of all, Ford is is shifting its business. It's it, it's reducing investments in places where it hasn't been earning good margins, and investing more in places where it feels it has a strength. Uh, crossover SUVs, uh, commercial vehicles, where Ford is a dominant player in the U.S. and Europe, and is still a strong player in China, even as its overall sales have diminished. Uh, performance. And if you think that looks like a Ford Mustang, you're, you're partly right. The Mustang is a very profitable product and it's not going anywhere no matter where car sales go. Uh, but also uh, performance versions of other vehicles. They're doing a performance version of the Edge crossover, which is a new thing and a different thing. And they're trying it to see how it works because those packages deliver good margins. Um, and they create excitement among, among buyers. People come to the dealers to see them. They consider them, um, you know, people who buy them are enthusiastic about Ford and so forth. There, there are good business cases for performance vehicles. Uh, so that that's happening. Uh, Bob thinks that that 2018, in retrospect, will turn out to probably be the trough um, as they revamp the product lineups in China and shift gears in Europe and cut on profitable product lines and so forth and so on. All of this stuff going on all at the same time. Um, so that's happening and things will look better in a, in a few years. They're also investing, of course, uh, what is not in the, when we're talking about double digit billions, uh, not anything like that, but still real money, serious money in self-driving, uh, in electric vehicles. And those are all coming and will turn into, um, instead of consumers of cash, into, into revenue and, and profit generators sometime in the first part of next decade. Uh, the other part of this picture, so so you could say, okay, Ford, it's, stuff looks tough for Ford right now, but they've got a plan and they're act, acting on it and the plan makes sense and things will probably look better in a few years. The other part of this is that autos is a cyclical business, as we always say, and we are probably a lot closer to the end of the cycle than the beginning, meaning at some point a recession hits, right? Right. Uh, and And... What happens in a recession is automaker profits get squeezed because uh, they have high fixed costs, and if they aren't making, you know, as many vehicles, then then the margin above those fixed costs starts to shrink quickly. Um, Ford says it's it can it'll break even at something like ten and a half billion vehicle at a, a sales pace, a U.S. market sales pace for around ten and a half million vehicles a year. Uh, it dipped below that for several months during the 2008-2009 recession, but it's got to be pretty bad to get down to that level. Um, so we're moving against that. Uh, part of the issues with Ford's stock price, Ford is cheap right now. Uh, part of it is concerns about where Ford is going, which is starting to become more visible and is reassuring as it becomes more visible, and partly just concerns about where we are in the cycle. Uh, as an investment, I would say if you are thinking long term, you could probably do worse than to buy it here, reinvest all those dividends. And then since auto stocks tend to rise early in the cycle on the far side of the next recession, when Ford is trading at 13, 14, 15, 16 dollars a share, as it as it very well may be, uh, start to think about where you are. Yeah, uh, I, I think that does uh, certainly make a fair amount of sense. I mean, it, it, it mm -hmm. has been. 
frustrating, and I think you share this frustration to mm-hmm. you know watch Forge struggling, um, even though we're maybe not at the end of the cycle quite yet, right? I mean, you know, this right, right, <clears throat> this yeah. has been a this has been economically a good last couple of years, and um, so it's certainly been frustrating to see. Um, that so 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 John, since we've got you on the show, let, let's go ahead and, and do just a couple quick, quick, uh, quick hits on uh, some some auto news. Uh, we said we weren't going to talk about Tesla, and we're not going to talk too much about Tesla. But of course, there are a lot of Tesla challengers incoming. You know that picture is also starting to firm up. I mean, um, you and I were chatting before the show, and you listed off. Let me see: Jaguar, Porsche, Volvo, Audi, Mercedes Benz, all launching electric cars sometime between now and the end of 2019. Yeah, and there's a lot coming. I mean, we've seen the Jaguar I-Pace. Uh, it, it, generally speaking, critics like it a lot. It's in very early production now. Uh, some have been sold in Europe. It will it will start arriving in the U.S. I think they are saying November of, of this year. Um, also coming, uh, Audi has... Uh, the e-tron quattro or whatever they're going to call it it's a mid-size electric suv uh, it's very much a, a model x fighter uh, that is coming uh, early next year uh volvo uh has a new um sub brand which is kind of a joint venture with its corporate parent chinese automaker geely uh, called polestar and polestar is going to be bringing out a series of electric vehicles the polestar 2 uh which is said to be coming next year is a is a is an SUV about the size of the Model 3. It's a crossover. It's a nice, low slung all-electric crossover. Mercedes also has an electric crossover coming next year, the first of several Mercedes-Benz electrics that are that are on the way. That seems to be, they, they haven't given us a lot of detail about that yet. We've seen a few spy shots and so forth. It seems to be in the same size range as if you built an SUV on the Model 3's platform, you know, the much talked about Tesla Model Y that is coming eventually if Tesla gets its act together. Uh, these are all coming between now and the end of next year. They're all long range, range comparable to Tesla, premium electric vehicles uh, built by automakers who will not have Tesla's challenges around manufacturing. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, yes, it will. Um, and uh, unfortunately, from an investing perspective, a little early to pick out winners and losers uh, until we uh, really start seeing how these. Um, how these cars come out and um, and sort of what those what those initial uh, sales numbers look like. Um, let's uh, let's talk about uh, GM a little bit. Uh, certainly, we've talked about Ford. We might as well talk about GM. Um, they've there's uh, a new uh, a new pickup line that they're. Yeah, we should after. back up. We we should back up one step and say GM's turning out great profits. Because <laughs> right. they got, yeah, GM's doing because, great. Yeah. because because they did their whole line of crossover SUVs. There are like nine of them that are all new since the beginning of 2016, all the way from a little Chevy to a Cadillac. There are a few more in the pipe. Uh, They're selling like hotcakes in the US. They're selling like hotcakes in China. Uh, Some of them are over there as well. The Cadillac ST5 is doing well in China. The Chevy Equinox is picking up steam in China. They have an affordable uh, SUV that they developed uh, under their... their Baozhan brand, which is a joint venture GM setup to compete with domestic Chinese automakers who sell these low-cost SUVs. The idea is it's a low-cost Chinese SUV, but with global automaker quality. And it's selling like crazy in China, and they're doing well there. Um, so so they're, making, they're making bank. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're doing very well. Uh, coming up next for them is all new pickups. And these are a big leap ahead, they are saying, from their current pickups. It's all new from the ground up. Whereas their last 
new pickups in 2014, I think, were kind of uh, a heavy-duty overhaul of what they'd had before. These are really all new. Uh, they're significantly lighter. They're cheaper to manufacture. Uh, they follow the patterns of other GM products in recent years in that they've created more upscale options uh, that they hope will be appealing and expand the overall margins of the truck program. Uh, they've had success doing that with the crossovers, uh, you know, the new crossovers, that came, the new Chevy Equinox that came in. Uh, is not only nicer in its base version than the older old one by a significant margin, but you can option it up further, and that has helped uh, GM's profit margins. Their operating margins have gotten very very strong. Uh, they're expecting to do the same things with the pickups. Now with GM, they launched the full size pickups, then the mid size pickups, and the uh, the big SUVs that are based on the same the same frames, the same platforms. Uh, those are things like the Chevy Tahoe and Suburban, uh, the GMC Yukon and the Yukon Denali and, and the Cadillac Escalade. Those are all going to be all new to out probably like 18 months from the end of the year. And the new uh, GMC Colorado and uh, GMC Canyon and Chevrolet Colorado pickups, which are midsizers that compete with the upcoming Ford Ranger, which we'll talk about too. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. uh, the, so GM is doing all of this. It's spending money to do this, but it's making a ton of money from the crossovers. So margins still look pretty good. Yeah. And then, of course, our, our, our third quick hit story, uh, which you teed up there, which is that the uh, uh, pricing for the new to, uh, well, new to the US Ford Ranger pickup was just released. Well, it wasn't officially released, but uh, Ford made the build-in price tool live on its website. They didn't put out a press release or anything, but there it was one day. Uh, starting price in the Ranger is $25,395. That's a rear-wheel drive extended cab XL model. Um, XLT starts at uh, just over 29000 and then the top trim for now is going to be a Lariat at, at $33,300. Um, these all have the same engine. It's the turbo 2.3 liter EcoBoost four cylinder, uh, with the new 10 speed automatic transmission. Um, you can get it with a shorter bed or a longer bed. Uh, you can get super cab, which has sort of a small back seat and the super crew, which has sort of a conventionally sized back seat. That's a couple thousand extra rear wheel drive, four wheel drive. You know, it's not going to have quite the lavish options list that the F-150 does, but it's a Ford truck. There'll be plenty of ways to configure it. You can, you'll be able to get one, you know, strip for 26,000 or, you know, for, for, for your business or load one up probably over $40,000 for a nice daily driver that's comfortable and has the good stereo and the leather seats and all that kind of stuff. Fancy. I, I will be in the car market probably in the next mm, six to nine months. So I think you and I are going to have a few more conversations mm, on or off the podcast. We'll, we'll figure that out. Um, all right, then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, uh, thank you, John. Um, that's it for this week's uh, Energy and Industrial Show questions or comments, you can always reach us at industryfocus at fool.com. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Austin Morgan. For John Rosevere, I'm Michael Douglas. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! 